Welcome to the Champions of Change podcast from Capital One. My name is Sonia Barlow. I'm an award-winning diversity business coach, motivational speaker, and founder of LMF Network. And in this series, I'll be chatting with the engineers, managers, and directors who are redefining what it means to be a woman in tech. Today's episode is about shifting the perceptions of what it takes to be a tech leader. I'm joined by Rachel Barton, who is a director of technology at Capital One, Madhu Prashant, the software engineering manager, and Samantha Birkenshaw, senior technical program manager. Thank you all for taking part. Now, I don't know about you, but my perceptions when I entered the world of tech were so different as to what they are now five years later. As a student and as a fresh grad, I thought, right, I have to be super technical to be in tech. I'm going to work long hours. I'm going to be working very hard. My parents' perceptions were, technology is full of men. What is your place there? You're never going to come home. We're never going to see you. And are you going to be fixing computers all day? My friends used to message me every time they had a bug on their computer, asking questions like, why aren't my emails syncing? And FaceTiming me, asking, what do you do as an IT manager, even though that wasn't my job role? And while the media constantly tells us that there aren't enough women in tech to begin with, less than 20% of those in technology identify as a woman and less than 5% as women of colour. Constantly, when you go online, everyone seems to have imposter syndrome. No one can negotiate their salary and there's a lack of diversity as you get more senior in the business. Of course, sitting here today, I have to say that I very much enjoyed my experience in technology. It is fast moving. We are revolutionising the way that industries work. And most importantly, I have met such great people who are today my role models and my mentors. Madhu, what about yourself? What were your perceptions of being a woman in technology before you entered and what are they now? Yeah, so um, I grew up in India where there was... Um, shortage of electricity and we used to have a three-phase electricity system Um, one phase would go off um, from time to time and we would just run on two phases but that meant you had to change wires in order to make the house run on a two-phase system Uh, and I was always the one that was doing that Um, but back to school when um, many many years ago we started writing a uh, few lines of code in, in basic that was one of my first languages I used um, It's no longer in use. But uh, just writing something and then delivering an output, the joy of seeing that, the satisfaction of just, you know, doing that. And that translated into you do you build something and actually the customer enjoys it or the customer uses it and the joy you get from that is completely different. In my previous role, we used to be able to go to stores and collect feedback um, of the product that we built, it was live, it was real time. Um, that to me was really what brought me into tech and what's kept me in tech after so many years. Yeah, thank you so much. I can feel the passion and we're definitely going to talk about passion in this podcast episode today. Rachel, as a director of technology, your understanding of technology, but also the roles that you've had must be so different to where you were when you started. I mean, I can only imagine that when you start tech, you're very hands-on. And I guess from my understanding of what a director does, it's a lot more about the people and the leadership skills and, you know, motivating people to carry on going. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I'm, I've had a very different career path to get to, get to technology, um, certainly to, to Maddie there. 
Um, I, I started out in uh, in call centres, believe it or not. Um, I, I do have I do have two degrees in very random subjects that don't apply to my career today at all. Um, but yeah, I started out in call centres. I, I was leading call centres of two hundred people, um, and it, it always interested me. I guess being on the other side of the fence, if you like, as to uh, you know, how do these things work that impact my call centre? So, so why does that, you know, why does that telephony system break down all the time? Or, uh, you know, like these systems, these 22 systems at the time in, in uh, the role I had, uh, so 22 systems my teams use, how do they all fit together? Why do we have 22? So it was always like I had a million questions about technology and how it worked. Um, yeah, and then I, I, I worked for a leader who was um, absolutely fantastic. Um, he'd made a career switch from technology into operations. And I was like, how did you do that? And it, it, it just started my interest in thinking, well, maybe I'm not so glued to working in an operational role. But, uh, you know, we, you talked about the perceptions there, Sonia, at the start. My, my, my true perception was, I didn't have the skills to go into technology. You know, I, I couldn't code. I'd never written a line of code in my life. Um, you know, I'd picked, I'd picked the career and that was it. You know, I didn't have a path out. And I worked for, you know, a couple of companies, um, you know, between 2010 and 2017. Um, and I actively went out and sought opportunities to get into technology, but felt very barred from getting in there. Um, you know, very male dominated background. Uh, you don't have the skills, Rachel, to, to be, uh, you know, a tech, you're not a technologist, Rachel, you can't come in without the relevant experience. And, you know, I, I genuinely tried to sell the fact, look, I, I love people leadership, I could I could lead people, I can lead change. You know, I, I understand the customer perspective, I, I understand, you know, the call center perspective, I understand many perspectives, please let me have an opportunity. Uh, and it wasn't it wasn't genuinely until uh, you know I worked through three employers to try get an opportunity in a technology background and until um, I very in a very random way met my people leader here at Capital One um, it, it was only then that actually somebody saw something in me and see your points on you you know being a director of technology is very much uh, you know very much more about being able to lead people through uh, you know through change and to the right outcomes and such like and, and that's how I got my opportunity and uh, how I find myself at Capital One today so I got I got the break in the end. Thank you for sharing and I just want to applaud you for the journey because what it sounds like is you were dismissed so many times even though you had that faith in yourself, right? And you knew you could do it. What it really, just just summarizing what I've heard, it sounds like the three most important skills to enter the world of tech, but also to stay in the world of tech, that's so just as important, is one, being resilient, two, being curious, but three, and most importantly, especially as a woman, self-motivating yourself, not not being okay with the no's, being like, well, actually, a no really means not right now. And so let me figure out another path. Yeah, and I think things have changed genuinely. And I, I think definitely in the two years I've been here at Capital One, I see a complete difference. You know, that that perception, if, if I'm being really honest, my, my perception was technology is a boys club. Um, you know, a lot of business got done on golf courses genuinely. <laughs> um, you know, very extremely male dominated uh, environments, you know, and I think 
Capital One is doing so much to to change that perception. You know, not not just my personal opportunity, but the opportunities I see given to everybody in this business and the active push we are making. You know, generally in terms of diversity and inclusion, it's you know it's almost like uh, we're on this journey that's that's accelerating so rapidly, and it, it's it's fantastic to see because in in my opinion that's something that has gone too slowly, and I would I would genuinely hate um, you know in twenty twenty one and beyond for people to have to have some of the experiences um, I've I've had in in previous parts of my career. Absolutely, and for those who are listening who don't quite know what the boys club is, what the boys network is, from my understanding, it's the network or the or, or, or the relationships built between men from a similar demographic or similar background and how they support one another in their growth and their progression. And I was, if I'm being really honest, very naive to it. I wasn't a part of that cultural taste. I didn't quite know what happened after work and the, you know, the events that I wasn't invited to or that I couldn't attend. As someone who identified as South Asian, my parents brought me up in quite a sheltered background. So even though I went to work every day, I went straight home. And I remember it wasn't until my last role where I was supporting one of my CEOs to actually build out a an initiative where he he he, he suggested that actually the meeting be done on a golf course or that it be done in a private members club and it only be first thing in the morning when it's breakfast time and my response was well actually I I don't know how to play golf I think that's a really I think it's it's it comes with a number it comes with wealth let's say right like golf was not a sport when I was growing up and having breakfast when I can only assume that mothers especially are going and dropping their kids or doing school duties was unfair and we're only talking a couple of years ago there's also tons of academic research that supports the theory that it's easier to attract women or diversity into technology than it is to retain them. Because the more senior you get in the career ladder, the more you have these expectations of being a part of these events that don't necessarily suit you and your needs. And when you walk into these rooms, you already feel out of place. You're not good enough. You don't have the cultural taste. You can't stay long enough. And all the conversation is beyond what you expected. Sam, what are your thoughts on what I've just shared? And do you feel like any of these examples resonate with your experience? Um, they do actually. I've always found myself um, I, for so long. I, I've been in tech for dare I say um, well over a decade now, and um, probably closer to fifteen years if I'm honest with myself and not looking at too many birthdays. Um, and I think certainly if I think right back to when I first started working in tech, it absolutely was a male-dominated environment. And to be honest, I, I think I just became so used to it that I stopped acknowledging it in terms of my working environment uh, you know several years ago and then actually there comes a point where you're like I'm at a point in my career where I want to think what my future options are and you realize that um like in previous companies there's groups of guys who go mountain biking together or yes they play golf together or even things like go and watch the football together whatever it may be and there's there's certainly a perception that they wouldn't invite me um although to be honest I, I I was always kind of yeah I'm happy to come along not mountain biking though that's definitely not my thing um but I'm always happy to go and watch a game of cricket or football or whatever but it's it really made me think about actually how have I found that so I've been at Capital One five years and how have I found that experience and 
I can certainly think that when I first started, uh, as I always do, I'm super conscientious about, you know, um, let my job performance be the thing that shines. As far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter that I'm female, um, not with regards to, obviously, I want to, you know, support and champion myself being female, but job performance shine through and all the, and all the such like. Over the last three years, I'd say, more, more, than, more than ever has been, I feel truly comfortable and seeing this in others as well as myself, that at Capital One, we are really encouraged to be our true authentic selves. And for me, when we talk about the boys club and whatever, I think part of embracing your true self is actually feeling comfortable saying if you recognise that something like that might be happening, but without accusation, it's just kind of going, hey guys, you know, can I either, can I get involved in this or can we do something different? And it's, it's, it's a real kind of open conversation in that regard. And I know people have had, have, have left really lasting impressions with how they've just brought to light some of the situation. I think many people just, you know, go about doing their daily job. They work with the people they work with. You forge good working relationships. Everyone is, you know, wants to get to the end of the day and go, yeah, we did a good thing today and all the rest of it. But actually sometimes they're just not seeing the the shape of the room, if I call it that. And so there's definitely a lot more comfortableness more recently across all the range of diversity um, to be able to kind of call out those maybe old habits that are still lying around. I think that's what I'd call it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I definitely agree with you. I mean, a lot of it, I have to say, also comes from the benefit of having social media and being able to share instances, being able to share experiences, examples, and most importantly, jumping on platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter and being able to see role models and women, especially who are thriving in technology, asking them, how did you get to where you are? And then saying similar to what you've said is, we were curious enough to go and ask if we could join in. And then we were brave enough to challenge them in a way that wasn't, it wasn't that we were criticizing them, it was that we were educating them. And I think one of the points that we forget, especially when we have these conversations is, it is always about education. Technology is actually a very new industry and a new topic area that we forget most of the time. Everyone needs their version of education, be that the old boys club to say or to suggest, actually, it's not as inclusive. How about we do something else? Because that might also be out of habit equally. But also for us as women to say, well, actually, just because someone's had that experience doesn't mean we're going to have the same one. It's about knowing or learning from their mistakes and understanding what can we do better and what can we do different. Rachel, you touched on the Old Boys Network, but you also touched on the fact that you don't have a typical journey into tech and that your career is what you might call or one may call a portfolio career. How important do you think that now is for those, especially young women who are wanting to enter the world of tech? And how do you, therefore, if you do, use social media to really showcase your journey? Because I know for my instance, or I know in my example, I definitely go on platforms like LinkedIn to to kind of see what other women are doing and see how I could be inspired by them. Yeah, I mean, my key message to, to anybody who has any sort of fear about having a career in tech or, you know, comes from a, a different career background is don't be afraid, go for it. 
Um, you know, I, I think having had a, as you describe, a portfolio career has, has, has helped me, you know, be where I am today. What what it has given me is many different perspectives, um, you know, that, that in a technical conversation today will, will help me add true value to the conversation. So um, my team find it um, quite funny that, you know, sometimes I have to stop them and say, can you simplify that for me? Or can you explain that again? Because I, I don't quite understand the technicality of it. What, but what I can bring to a room is, you know, that um, I'm, I'm very good about saying, well, what about the customer there? Or, um, you know, depending on the example, you know, how might the engineers feel about that as they get into the change? So my portfolio career has allowed me to bring many different, uh, you know, perspectives in, in, into a room. Um, and I think what whilst I would say from a social media aspect, I absolutely agree with you. You know, there are many platforms we can now share our experiences on. Um, you know, I think we once we are hopefully past this uh, this pandemic, one one of the biggest uh, platforms I still find is is a value is is you know is the conference environment and being able to stand up and tell people, uh, you know, about your journey. That they're still very powerful rooms, and uh, you know, pro- probably still my preference. I'll I'll talk about things on uh, LinkedIn, but um, it's not it's not my preferential um, platform. I think I'm a bit like you, Sonia. I'd rather. Um, stand up and and tell people about my journey and inspire them that way. Yeah, thank you so much. What about yourself, Madhu? How do you think that we can diversify the technology generation of tomorrow? And on the social media standpoint, are you a user of of digital media to share your story and or to be a visible woman of colour and technology for, for those who might want to enter technology as a potential career? It, that's a really interesting question. So, again, I'm going to say I'm not active on social media, although I use Facebook and LinkedIn and uh, so on the platforms. I think it should start at the grassroots level. So what I do is go to schools, like secondary schools, and there's a lot of talk about STEM backgrounds and people, children getting into STEM, especially girls getting into STEM. Um, and I go to schools and tell them that, you know, getting a career into computer science is not, or IT is not about writing just code. As Sam was saying, we have so many different roles. Even if you take it at a very basic level, you have the business analyst to start off the requirements of the project. You have various different types of analysts in there itself. But then you have um, a group that then sorts that data out. So we call them the project managers. Then we have the engineers. Yes, they are an aspect but then you have the release managers the change managers as you say the technical program managers directors of technology um, and various other roles so my job now is um, of course in the covid era it's all through zoom but to talk to children in schools about the different roles you can get to when you take a when you get into a career in computer science or or it because the perception in schools is if I have to get into computer science, I have to write code. Yes, if you choose to do that, you can do that. But most of the girls are not interested in writing code, including my own, wants to do something different. So um, I think the way I've tried to tackle this is by explaining to school kids about the various roles that they have uh, that they could get into other than, you know, the roles that they want to get into, like, medicine or law the police force or the armed forces or something like that absolutely and 
I think it's so significant that you've spoken about the grassroots level. My cousin was picking her GCSE options last year and she was torn between picking stats and computer science or computer science because she thought, what am I going to do with these? And so even though I don't have that knowledge or I don't have that expertise, I was able to connect her with other people or just send her profiles of women that have done something with those subjects and said this is potentially what you can do these are the skills of the future this is what you're learning and I base that conversation not around here's a job title because let's be honest job titles change so frequently that we don't quite know what all of them mean but I was like here are the skills that you're going to learn and this is what you can do with the skills moving forward what have you found speaking especially to these students what are the skills that they think they are interested versus what are the skills that you think they should be focusing on when it comes to technology? I think there is a general perception that code is what they need to focus on. And I've tried to explain to them that code is one aspect. But even if you're an engineer, you're not just writing code 100% of the time. You are you might be leading others, you might be mentoring a new junior engineer, you might be planning with your Um, technical program manager, for example, to uh, uh, plan the future of work. So even as a pure engineer, your skills that are required are varied or are beyond code. You need um, leadership skills, technical leadership skills. You need organization skills. You need mentoring skills. Um, We have a diverse interview panel all the time. So you need some interviewing skills, being able to, you know, get the best out of an interviewee, for example. So I try and explain to them in hopefully the language that they understand, all the various skills that they will bring, that they will need to learn and that they can bring to the table beyond writing code. Uh, I think it's helped because some, you know, some of my daughter's friends have come back to me and said um, they liked that presentation that they thought going into IT means writing code and being an engineer. They didn't know that there was this plethora of other roles that they could tap into that they find exciting, they find interesting. And t- talking to them about in terms of the apps that they use, like, you know, how was Spotify app created or how was Among Us app created or how was Instagram created with 13 people or, you know, and how it's a billion dollar industry now. So talking to them in their language, in terms of the apps they use, really helps. I love that. Thank you. Something which has been a constant theme here is language, communication styles, and most importantly, the languages that we're using and really making sure that they are relevant for those that we are communicating with. Sam, what about yourselves? Do you have anything to add on the discussion that we have going on? Yeah, I think it's, um, I love Madhu, I love the fact that you're going into schools and and kind of sharing that with people. And I think that when I was at school, I I never considered a career in tech. And I did a um, quite a generalist business studies degree um, and actually had a first career in recruitment. And it wasn't until I was looking to leave recruitment that um, I naturally went to a recruitment consultant and I said, I want to leave this profession, but I don't know what I want to do. You know, what do I do? Like that, where do you go from there? And it was actually he that gave me one of the most kind of valuable insights that I've, I've come back to time and time again in the way that he approached that conversation with me. And he said, well, let's look at your skills. Let's look at, you know, have a think about, describe your day job to me or, you know, what, what you do in a typical week, et cetera. And tell me what are the things that you enjoy doing and tell me what are the things that you least enjoy doing in that job. Now, bearing in mind from recruitment consultancy, obviously a lot of relationship building, you meet a lot of people, but you build interview skills and such like. 
And he picked out of that and he said, right, leave that with me and I will keep an eye on the job market. And when a role I think suits you comes along, I'll let you know. And it was him that put first pointed me in the direction of project management, like ultimately, you know, kind of way back then. And I don't, I'm not even sure I would have even thought about it. To be honest, I didn't even know where I was really going to go with it anyway. But, but as I read the job description, I was like, yeah, I enjoy that. I can do that. That's a transferable skill. And it was a ra- like a random conversation with a, you know, male recruitment consultant that was suggesting a role that was in a technical environment, but not a technical role that was the whole start of my career in tech. And then as, as the years have gone on, I've kind of refined my experience and become more and more specialist until, you know, I'm, I'm now doing what I do today. But it was, I do genuinely look back and when people say, how did you end up as a, you know, a, a female leader in tech? And I'm like, it's pretty random actually. But Maddo, you going into schools and doing that, I do think that if someone had kind of shown me, you know, suggested to me those kind of opportunities and I'd understood a bit more of a breadth of the industry, then it definitely would have been something that piqued my interest. Because I was always a little bit, oh yeah, computers. Like I liked playing games on computers. I, I had that kind of technical literacy at a younger age, if you like. It's just, I never perceived anything in that field in the in the job world for myself, really. Thank you so much. That's a wrap on this week's episode. There's still a lot of work to do, but we are starting the journey and we hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. To find out more, visit jobs.capitalone.co.uk.